The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month and today we're looking at the important work carried out by the Gavin Glynn Foundation. And joining me live in studio is the founder of that foundation, John Glynn. We also have a patient uh, who is being helped by the Gavin Glynn Foundation. That's Josh Forrester. He's with me and uh, Josh's mother, Neve is also here. So good morning and welcome, everybody. Uh, John, will you give us the background to the Gavin Glynn Foundation and what brought you to found it? Yeah, um, the Gavin Glynn Foundation was set up in memory of our son Gavin uh, who passed away from soft tissue tumour on the 21st of October 2014. Uh, Gavin was diagnosed at 18 months old. Um, he One night we were changing his nappy and noticed a lump on the side of his bum cheek. So we decided to take him to a local GP um, and the GP said it was a hematoma or a bruise um, and gave us some steroid cream and said come back in a month if it yeah. hadn't disappeared. So myself and my wife Jane, um, we talked about it that evening and said it didn't sound right. So we took him to another GP in Greystones and um, she said she didn't know what it was, but um, she thought we should go to Crumlin Hospital to get it checked out. She didn't like the look of it. She didn't like the look of it, yeah. She, she, I think she knew straight away and she did afterwards. She knew that there was something suspicious. So we went into Crumlin yeah, but Hospital. She, she didn't want to scare you in case it was exactly, not exactly. what she suspected. Yeah, yeah, not what she expected, but she knew by the feel of the actual the tissue. Um, so we went into Crumlin Hospital and we were there for about 20 24 hours and the next day um, after CT scans and MRI scans uh, they told us that there was a very large tumour covering Gavin's pelvic region and it was protruding out and that's what we felt in his actual bum cheek. So this had been developing for quite some time. A couple of, yeah, they think a couple of months, yeah. And we didn't really know, like the only uh, uh, the only things that we noticed was maybe a bit of constipation but of course he was 18 months old at the time, you know, so changing food and stuff, you know, so sure. we didn't think too much of it. And was he in any distress at this point? None, 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 none whatsoever, well. none whatsoever. So we had a couple of months of chemotherapy Therapy, um, and the tumour shrunk um, by about 50%, which was great news. But they knew that the chemotherapy alone would not and surgery would not uh, get rid of the actual tumour. So in March, um, in March the following year, they uh, told us that we needed to go to Switzerland for a type of radiation treatment called proton therapy. So we said, yeah, OK, no problem. We two, we had two other kids as well, um, Connor and Lucy, and they were two years older than Gavin at the time. Um, so they gave us, and um, we asked them how we were going to get there, and they gave us a, a list of B&Bs and said, right, well, you'll have to arrange everything yourself. Here's a list of B&Bs. You need to go to Switzerland. So as you can imagine, it was a very... Uh, terrifying. Very terrifying, very terrifying. Um, so myself, um, Jane and Gavin flew over for a weekend and travelled around in between Switzerland and Germany because it was right on the Rhine, trying to find somewhere to live because they told us we were going to have to relocate there for eight weeks. And I suppose they couldn't have sent us to a more expensive country in the whole world. Sure. Um, but thankfully, between friends and family and uh, people in our community in Greystones, they rallied around and, and gave us money to go and help us with the trip. So we relocated over there for eight weeks for proton therapy and um, came back more chemotherapy the following year nearly to the day um, Gavin had an MRI scan and, and relapsed again so we needed different type of treatment so we need to go to uh, Holland in Amsterdam um, for a different type of treatment called brachytherapy um, same we were over there for a couple of weeks came back it's, Gavin was doing very very well uh, and another year, another year went past, and uh, nearly a year to the date again on his fourth birthday, he had an MRI scan, and uh, we found out that the tumor had reoccurred again. And at this stage, they said there was no other treatment available, and to take Gavin home to look after him ourselves. Okay, so Gavin didn't make it, but your experience of doing everything that was humanly possible to do for Gavin, yes, 
brought about the idea of the foundation. Yeah, we knew that so many other families were going to be in the exact same position as us and we got so much help and when we needed to travel overseas with Gavin um, that we wanted to give back um, and we knew that there was no one else helping families um, and there was no other facility for helping families so we set up the foundation to help um, families from all over Ireland that need to travel overseas specifically for cancer treatment. Yeah. Um, and, and the stress you're under with a diagnosis like that you don't even think straight. It's massive. And then on yeah. top of that you've got to do all this organised Exactly, exactly. And people know at the, at the best of times, like even when you're going away, you know, whether it be on a holiday, going through airports, booking flights, booking accommodation, it can be very, very stressful. So taking this, that's what exactly what we want to do is take the stress away from families um, logistically and financially so they can focus on their child um, and on their siblings. Now, uh, with, with childhood cancer, obviously the HSE, where possible, provide the treatment here. Yes, but they fund also the treatment away, do they? That's correct, yes, yes. They fund the treatment. Um, the majority of kids that we help at the moment are going to Essen in Germany for proton therapy. We also have kids that are going to the UK and um, to the Christian Manchester um, and London as well. Um, we have a, a child that was flew over last week uh, on Sunday for liver tumour operation, a 14-month-old baby. Um, at the moment, we have five families in Essen in Germany for proton therapy. We have three kids in the UK, uh, one for the liver tumour operation that I told you about, a 14-month-old baby. Um, a family that flew yesterday to Manchester and another family in um, in London. And then we have two families going to Birmingham tomorrow. So, like, it's been uh, it's been hectic. I, I can, I can yeah. tell. Um, th- this is a numbers game, though, isn't it? Because obviously yes. the treatment would be provided by the cancer experts here if... If it was available. If, if, yeah, if there was sufficient numbers to, you know, invest in the the kind of equipment that yes. would be needed. But the, the population is small. Exactly. These are rare cancers by and large. Yeah. So you go to the centre of excellence, wherever that may be. Exactly, exactly. Rare in comparison to obviously adult cancers. But I suppose the main emphasis is that like children diagnosed with cancer, they're children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They need to grow up and, and become adults and live their life and stuff like this. And even though the numbers are small and relative to adults, of course, if it's your child, you know, that's your whole world. Yeah. You know, and you will do anything in the world to to try and make them better or go anywhere in the world. Okay, so you, you your whole mission in the foundation is to take the stress of that part of you. You're still left with the stress of a child's illness, exactly. but to take the other stuff exactly. away as much exactly. as possible. So we will book all the, we will look after all the logistics and the financial aspects of travelling. So when a family contacts us, we will book their transportation to and from the hospital or to and from the airport. We will have a driver waiting for them on the other side. We will bring them to a hotel or apartment, which we will arrange and pay for. And we look after all their living expenses. And at the moment, it's currently costing them anywhere between 15 to 18,000 euro per family to support them for six to eight weeks um, of overseas treatment. So how do you, how do you raise funds? Uh, to the, uh, uh, public donations, fundraisers. Uh, obviously, we're trying to get as many corporates involved as much as possible. We need to raise about 500,000 euro each year now at the moment to support all the families. Like last year, we had 32 families and already this year, we've had 30 yeah. families already and we still have another four months to go in the year. Now, uh, how do you run it? I mean, you hold down a job. Yeah, so I work for a Tesco head office in Dunleary. I look after information security. So between myself and my wife, Jane, uh, Jane is now going full-time at the foundation. Um, so between the two of us, we manage. Yeah. Um, we try and keep it, we wanted to keep it as, 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 as close as possible um, and also, as lean as possible so all of the money do, uh, donated yeah. through the public and through fundraisers goes directly to where it needs to go to yeah. the families. Now, now uh, obviously the HSE doesn't do this side of no. uh, the, the story at all and maybe you wouldn't want it to get into the maw of a big bureaucracy that it's it's kind of better it is. that an organisation of your size and leanness and 
uh, you know, emotional and personal involvement. And I think is, that's the other part that sort of that can't be taken over by anyone else is because myself and my wife, Jane, whatever, fully understand what the families are going through. And not only do we look after all the financial and the logistics of going, we are on hand 24 by 7 to look after the families. Like I'm in constant contact with all of the families that yeah. are overseas, making sure they're OK. The same until they come back and even further onwards or whatever we... You it, know. it just strikes me this is a recipe for the National Lottery funding. Do you know? Hopefully, please God. Hopefully, please you, God. have yeah. you applied for that? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, we, we have applied. We didn't get it. We were unsuccessful last year. So um, hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> and we're the only charity like we are the only charity in Ireland providing this um, facility for families that are travelling oh. overseas um, I suppose you know Gavin's passing has not been in vain because of the work you're now doing yes yeah and that's and that's as I said we got so much help and Gavin told us an awful lot of a lot of things about life about love and about happiness and about positivity and that's something that we want to continue on and that's what we are continuing on is the positivity and love for actual life and that uh, that is shown through all of the stories that you know families publish and share with us you know of how their child was diagnosed on our website and on our social media pages and it'll be great for people to just go and read those stories because they're testimonials from the from the families themselves and what it shows is how their child was diagnosed and we're, what we're seeing is a lot of late diagnosis in children and that's what we're actively trying to get now is to get children diagnosed an awful lot quicker, get sent to the proper people like Crumlin and Temple Street, get to see the consultants so they're diagnosed yeah. quicker and hopefully their outcome will be a lot better. And all of this to be found on the Gavin Glynn Foundation uh, website. Now, yes. uh, Nee Forrester, mother of Josh. Josh is here as well. You can put the headphones on, Josh. Yeah, you, can, you can also hear me talking to you in your headphones. Um, Neve, tell me uh, Josh's diagnosis and what happened then? Yeah, so um, in uh, 21st of May 2019, I was uh, got up early to pick up my cousin from the airport and the two boys were getting well, getting ready for school and I noticed Josh's neck was quite swollen, but he was always a bit of a character. I actually thought it was either an allergic reaction or that he was just doing something yeah. funny with his neck. I texted a few of my friends that anyone ever seen this before. Everyone just assumed it was an allergic reaction. Collected my, dropped him to school, said I'd make an, or actually, sorry, I kept him, dropped the other guy to school, uh, brought him to the GP after I collected my cousin from the airport and they thought it was a collection of swollen glands, um, gave us an antibiotic like they would normally do. And between uh, the Montessori and myself, we kind of decided that this wasn't going down. So I went back to the GP, but he wasn't sick at all, like didn't even show any signs of being of form, even if you had swollen glands, yeah. you might be down. He wasn't. He was full of energy. So they sent me for an ultrasound to Tala and we never got out. I think we were a week in Tala then. Okay. So it kind of went from an infection that they couldn't treat. To a, a positive diagnosis. Yeah. What was we, the condition? Uh, so we were sent to Crumlin then and it went from a sarcoma. Eventually it was a malignant rhabdoid tumour, which is normally in a kidney or a liver. So it was unusual in the neck. So we were kind of on our own, as in we, there wasn't many other cases in Ireland. How much treatment could they do in Crumlin before you needed the help of the Gavin Glynn Foundation? So we were told initially the chemo is not great for this type of, of uh, tumour, but it worked. Then the surgery was very risky. It was a success. And then the next thing was radiation to keep it away. And then it was the dilemma about um, it's normally in a, kidney or liver now it's in the neck close to a lot of vital organs sure. and 
proton beam radiation, which the only other two cases I found or the parents had had proton beam, which is meant to damage less, wasn't available in Ireland. So then that's when a colleague of mine actually had given me John's number at the beginning, but I didn't know why I needed it. But I was really glad I had it. Um, And then I contacted him and literally he helped me get a second opinion. He arranged all the flights. I mean, I work in Erlingus. I'm used to travelling. The the hospital were maintaining that it would be very difficult for me to travel. But I was like, well, if I need to be in Dusseldorf this afternoon, I can be there. I'll do what I have to. Like, as John said, it's your child. You'll do whatever you can. But I found that part extremely hard, even though I actually used to operate the Dusseldorf flight and coming into the airport was <laughs> the hardest thing I ever just coming up the escalator where I would normally go to work. And I thought my knees would go from from under me. So just having all of that organised for me. Um, they set us up in an apartment. They had all the transport arranged. I didn't have to think about that part. I just can't. I mean, look at him now. Yes, yeah. he's, he's quiet at the moment, <laughs> but uh, at the moment <laughs> he's definitely active. Uh, yeah, he's wearing his headphones and swinging in the chair. So, uh, Josh, how are you feeling now? Good. Uh, a man <laughs> of few words. Afterwards. Uh, t- t- tell us then the treatment. How long did the treatment take? Uh, we were just over six weeks in um, in Essen, and that's the centre of excellence for his tumour type and they wrote the protocol. So we underwent chemo and the proton beam, which is very tough. He ended up on a morphine drip and hospital and different delays. So it was a tough and he had no interest in talking to people either. And I was on my own. So it was like just my husband and my other son came over and back. But a lot of time it was just get to the clinic, get the appointment yeah. done, get out. Um, didn't want to talk to any doctors. He used to be wanting to get bananas to throw under them, banana skins, just wanted <laughs> out of there. No talking. So it was just, yeah, I a, found the a, German... A lonely time. For yeah, you. just, I mean, I was used to travelling and I found the world has become very similar. You can, and I'm used to functioning on my own, yeah. but just being, being abroad, you know, abroad and trying to manage and, and well, your child is sick. You just, it yeah. was... It was a tough time. In, in terms of what the uh, the airport, Dublin Airport mm-hmm. or Aer Lingus or any of the airlines can do for you, do they help out? Well, at the time, they there wasn't anything set up, but I, just, I remembered how hard I found it. He finished treatment in February 2020 and then it was locked down, yeah. walking around in circles for a couple of years, not knowing if I had a job to go back to. Then he got started school, life went back to normal and I was like, well, I'll go back. But I just wasn't happy with just doing the same thing. I wanted, The experience kind of stays with you and I wanted to do something to help. And obviously I couldn't forget the help that we received from the foundation. So I, I mean, all my colleagues had donated leave. I work with a fabulous bunch of people and, and they had They gave you some of their Yeah, leave. each person would have, yeah, like, the girls actually had to close the book because... So the, many people yeah, had volunteered. So had volunteered. Um, the, like I said, I'm going to chance this and I approached the company about if I could set up a support group that we would just escort the families through. It was around the time, do you remember, of the two to three hours in security? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... I mean, people were very territorial over the boxes, the machines and everything. And some of the kids don't look that sick. 
and I just wanted to give them a hand. You're not, your mind's not in the right place. So does when that you're persist traveling. to this day? Yeah. Um, I, the Erlingus helped me or allowed me to set up a group. I've over 80 volunteers in a group, but it's just on a run on a WhatsApp. My office is my phone, yeah. but I just text. John texts me, the families. We say, is anyone available? It's about two hours of your day and we come in, we bring them to security, bring them down, distract them with a coffee and I tell them about Josh or we just, you know, and it's an amazing support for the family yeah. because, as Neve said, like the Erlinga staff, like all volunteer their time. So they meet the family in the airport and hold them all the way through to the to the airplane, you know, and make a fuss out of the kids and distract them and stuff like this. It's a, it's an amazing yeah. facility. And it's a, well, a it's a heartwarming story you've told us uh, this morning, John and Neve and Josh. And uh, if anyone is uh, minded to do something for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month next, uh, it's coming in September, just in a few September, days' yeah. time, uh, the first thing they could do is go on your website and, yeah, and donate. Yeah, ggdf.ie. Yeah. Oh. And also, like um, like everyone obviously knows what the uh, the pink ribbon stands for, and we have the gold ribbon for Childhood Cancer, which I brought in some for you and your staff today, whatever. So it'd be great for everyone to, as I said, go and read the stories on our website, on our social media pages from the families. It's all written by all families from Ireland. Everyone that donates is part of helping these families get to where they need to go to, you know. So, um, yeah, we would love as much support as possible. John Glenn, founder of the Gavin Glenn Foundation and Eve Forrester, mother of uh, Josh. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us in studio. Thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.